We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. It's the final day of our Chad Buchanan series. It's been a blast listening to the last two episodes and hearing your guys' feedback and how much you enjoyed those conversations. But now we get to talk about some other things. What were some of the conversations we talked about with Chad on this one, Potch? This one, more of what we can expect this season from the current players, like certain roles that they might play for veterans, such as a Buddy Heald or a TJ McConnell. What can we expect out of Aaron Neesmith Andrew Nemhard and what he looked like in summer league and what type of role we can expect from him. But, you know, lastly, the goals of, of this season, what are the expectations for this Pacers team compared to maybe, you know, the previous season where expectations were a, a bit different. Absolutely. We talked about Benedict Matherin too, which I thought was very important. Talked about where, uh, what areas he can improve upon to take that next step. And then, we also followed up kind of asking if maybe some of the areas that he struggled with last year were a frustration for players on the team. And so Chad got into that. We talk about George Hill, James Johnson, their impact last year, what their potential impact could be on the team this year. If there's even a spot for him on the team this year with the roster being pretty loaded. And then we also touched on some, some story time with Chad at the very end. We asked Chad to kind of just anything interesting. So he tells, tells us a really cool story at the end of the show about a draft prospect that we did not take, but how he came in for the interview. And I thought that was a super fun listen, but hearing what he had to say about Aaron Neesmith was really cool too, Fachi. I think that fans are going to like the answer there. If you're a big Aaron Neesmith fan. I think so. And yeah, there was a lot of situations that I felt like could have been easy for Chad to say, eh, you know, we're going to wait to see what happens, but he was open and honest to say, Hey, there's going to be a lot of competition. You know, and there, there's probably going to be some nights where some guys 
play more and some some nights where they might not play at all because he even talked about the log jam at centers right now. Mm-hmm. There there is I mean there is four four guys battling for spots at that at center spot and the, the battle for who's going to be the backup center. It's all, you know, he didn't want to say hey anything's being handed. Like this isn't Jalen Smith is our starting power forward type of situation. This is there is spots up for grabs. And competition seemed to be the theme. And that has us really excited to know that this Pacers team is deep at just about every position this year. Mm. And that is a really good problem to have. Yeah, that's the same thing with the point guard position, too. You know, having so much depth with McConnell, Nimhard, and Tyrese Halliburton. And so we did talk about Nimhard, too, because I wanted to touch on his summer league because I thought he just played terrific. And so... Wanted to get Chad's thoughts on that. And then we also talked about Rick Carlisle at Summer League with the glasses. So uh, that was a fun conversation, too. But other than that, I, I think that we just need to get out of the way here, Fachi, and let you guys hear that conversation with Chad Buchanan on our final day. So hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Chad Buchanan after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to transition now to uh, some other players on this team and stuff that didn't necessarily happen during the offseason. So Andrew Nimhart uh, had a great rookie season. I thought he played terrific in summer league in the two games that he played. Clearly did not belong out there. You could just tell he was way too talented to be out there with younger guys that are still trying to figure figure themselves out and figure their game out. But I'm just kind of curious, what are you guys envisioning for Andrew Nimhart this upcoming season? Because there's been questions like, could he continue to start? Could he be the backup point guard? What's going on with McConnell? And like, there, there's just so much going on right now. So I'm curious, what do you guys envision for Andrew Nimhard this upcoming season? Yeah, I think there was a point in, I don't know, it was the first game or the beginning of the second game in summer league where Tyrese turned to us and said, you need to send him home. He needs to go <laughs> home. Like, he's, he doesn't belong here. Uh, so he did play fantastic out there. I think you saw some growth in his Confidence level, his composure has always been a, a strength of his, but he just played with a little more assertiveness, a little more swagger, a little more, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the best player out here kind of mindset. So, you know, when we drafted Andrew, I think the thought was he would be a third point guard. You know, he'd develop, learn from TJ, learn from Tyrese. And as we got into the, the training camp, you know, it came obviously like, hey, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. And our coaches moved him off the ball to the two spot and, um, he played very well for us as a rookie. He thrived, you know, certain games, you know, and accepted the challenge of trying to guard some really, really good players. And and so it was. He really got thrown to the wolves last year in that regard. And 
I, th- I think moving forward, there's, I think you see, you know, he has a chance to play a couple different positions. I think point guards is, you know, his natural position that he's always played, but he's shown to us that I can play with Tyrese and I can help him take some load off his plate some nights. And um, I can guard, you know, guys that maybe, you know, Tyrese isn't a good matchup for, but ultimately, I mean, what his ceiling is, is, you know, he's probably got starting point guard potential, you know, and that's something that, you know, obviously we have a starting point guard on our roster. That's pretty good. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a, and TJ McConnell is a fabulous player as well. So we've got a lot of depth at the point guard position. That's why Andrew's ability to slide off and play some two is, is helpful because um, it allows, you know, our coaches to try and maximize all three of those guys as, as best they can. But it is something that's, you know, going to be a challenge for, for us, you know, having three quality point guards, getting them all, you know, the playing time they probably deserve. You know, striking gold with McConnell at pick 31 was just such a blessing. It's like the gift that keeps on giving because he's going to get better and better. And, yes, he did look like the best player on the court for the Pacers in Summer League. But, you know, what are the type of roles that you envision for veteran guards like a TJ McConnell that you mentioned or, or Buddy Heald, whom we saw shift from being a starter, you know, to then coming off of the bench for, say, the last 10 or so games of last season? What, what's the type of role that you see for them this year? Well, TJ, I think – Starting with him last year, I think he took a serious uptick in his three-point shooting, which is Big time. a massive, you know, impact on his effectiveness. And I think we we feel like he's one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. And I think he's he's shown that he's there's still more parts to his game that he can take a jump with. And I mean, he he he's a very very capable point guard. And I think there's certain situations where maybe he could start for certain teams potentially if they needed him to. So. Finding, you know, the role that's appropriate for him with our amount of depth is like I go back to the training camp. There's going to be a lot of competition in training camp. You know, I'm sure TJ is not one to back down from competition. And TJ's had to fight and scratch and claw for everything in his career. So that's, you know, that's kind of what he's accustomed to. And I think you're going to come see him, you know, come into training camp and say, hey, I deserve this backup point guard position. And you know, I, I also go back to you need all 15 guys over the course of a season. You know, mm-hmm. TJ's point guard position, we've seen us go through a lot of different names that you probably forgot we even on our roster uh, trying to find, you know, another point guard. So ultimately you're going to need all three of your point guards uh, to get through an 82-game season. And his role in the locker room, I think you guys know he's beloved by everybody, everybody in that locker room, every coach, every staff member. So he has an impact um, whether he's playing or not playing. And so I think we envision him coming in here, ready to battle to, to earn some minutes. And I think that's only good for the health of the team when you've got that much competition because it pushes everybody else. And then with Buddy, you know, Buddy's got great chemistry with Tyrese. He's obviously one of the elite shooters in the NBA, has been for multiple years now. And whether that's, you know, a starting role or coming off the bench, that's, you know, we got to determine that as well and figure out where he best fits in with this team moving forward. And, um, you know, shooting is something our coaches value, and you've seen him. He, he can get hot, and that's a oh, yeah. value. 82 games, having a guy who can go get, you know, 15 points in a quarter to, to keep you alive and keep you afloat is very valuable. So, um, and he, he has, you know, real impact on the personality of our team. You know, he's very, you know, full of life and full of smiles and full of energy, and he talks a lot, and, you know, <laughs> he's got a lot of impact on things. So, 
I mean, he has, he's been a, a great addition to our team. Yeah. And I will say we did a little exercise on the podcast, trying to find how the rotation would shake out and try to give everybody minutes and try to make like a 10 man, 12 man rotation, whatever you want to do. And it's a tough challenge Real to tough. do. And we had a lot of listeners very upset when we didn't have McConnell in there as, you know, the backup point guard and not getting a lot of minutes. I think Fachi might've had a few for him. I had to cut him from mine. Cause I just, there's too many guys. It's like, you're trying to find playing time for all these guys. It's going to be tough, but I think you bring up a great point saying you need all 15 players for the length of an 82 game season. And you know, that wasn't what we were really factoring in. It was just, if everybody's healthy, here's what we're looking at. But one of the players that we saw last year, you talked about him earlier, had a really great season last year as that starting power forward. And the team really kind of turned around when he became that starting power forward, Aaron Neesmith. Uh, you bring in two power forwards and OB Toppin and Jairus Walker, you know, the, it feels like now his position is probably going to be shifted up to the three or maybe even some of the two. So after having a good season last year, proving his value to this team, what are you wanting to see out of Aaron this season with the new and improved roster? I think our hope for Aaron is sliding back to his more of a wing position, which is his natural position and continue to see growth with his consistency shooting the ball and his continued development, which I think we saw last year, he embraced the, the defensive side of the ball, which is, is something that we need guys willing to do that. And he's, he likes to do the dirty work. He's, he, he gives you every ounce of effort. He's got every single minute he's on the floor, which you know, I have a ton of respect for guys who play that way, and Aaron is that. And I, I feel like Aaron's one of those guys that feel like every day he's trying to prove that he's trying to make the team. You know, his mindset is, I got to prove myself today at practice or shoot around or this game that I belong on this team. And I think him settling into having some confidence, like, hey, you're going to, you belong here. Like, you, you established yourself. Now let's, like, play with, you know, a real edge to yourself confidence-wise and not being worried about a couple of missed shots and getting down on yourself if you have a couple of bad plays or make a couple of mistakes and just settling into a comfort zone of knowing like I belong. Now I need to get really, really confident with my shooting. I think that'll be really make him valuable to us because if you have a guy who is shown he can start at probably a couple of different positions if you need him to, but um, I think he probably, you know, has a chance to be a, He's going to be in our rotation, whether that's starting or coming off the bench, I don't know. But he'll he'll be a part of our team this year every single night and um, really liked his development from start to finish last year. And I think, you know, we want to see continued growth from him, um, shooting the ball especially. I love the amount of players on this team that could start or have started before because now it feels that – we have versatility at positions. We have guys that could step up that this isn't a different role for them, but it more maybe more of an expanded role. But one of the players, Benedict Matherin, a fan favorite, someone who was absolutely full of potential and confidence. And I'm going to say probably the best pacer rookie that many of us have seen in our lifetime. But in order for him to fully reach his potential, what areas do you think he has to improve upon most? Because we know he can score. But obviously, there's more to the game than just scoring. Yeah, I think he's got a couple areas that he knows he needs to, to show some strides in. That's, you know, his ability to make plays for others off the dribble. I think we've seen he can get himself to the paint. I mean, he's very powerful. Um, he's not afraid to, to throw himself into there against, you know, bigger bodies. And sometimes it's getting yourself into the paint and spraying it out to a guy open for a three-point shot. 
or it's getting into the paint and throwing a little lob to your center for a dunk, um, or it's getting into the paint and turning, kicking it back out um, to your point guard. It's it's not always getting into the paint, trying to manufacture how can I get the ball up onto the rim. And I think that's that's the next step of his evolution with his decision making. And then you know his consistency shooting the ball. I think you saw you know peaks and valleys with that last year, and becoming more steady with that will be important. And then the defensive side, I, I come back to him. There's real opportunity for growth on that end for him. He's a very competitive guy. That's a big piece of being a good defender is having the desire to want to compete with the guy you're defending. And that's it's hard to do all that at once with a young player. And I think we saw some real some areas of real positive, you know, growth last year for him. And you see some areas I just talked about that are going to be important for him to take the next step because Part of it is fitting in with your teammates, being able to – this can't always be about you driving to the basket. Sometimes about you yeah. driving to the basket to get somebody else a shot. You're, you're the kamikaze. You know, you're you're driving in there to give up something for yourself to get a shot for somebody else. And that that's how you develop real chemistry and growth as a team. Um, and I think Ben Ben wants to, to develop in those areas. He knows that's a you know going to take some time, but he knows that's part of his – areas that he's got to emphasize and try to be better at. Yeah. Just a real quick follow-up on that. I mean, not like I want to like get into like the know of everything, but was there some frustrations with the players, you know, with Ben, I guess just being so like tunnel vision, I guess you could say, and maybe, you know, not making that extra pass when he could have, and just players get a little frustrated that he's not passing the rock as much. I don't, I don't think there's any more than anybody else, you know, the course of a season, some guys are more, more ball movers than others. Mm -hmm. Um, think there was frustration i think there was hey you know i see this kid's talent and i see how we can help him and i think it was guys wanting to help him you know because there's another step to ben there's probably two three four more steps to his growth and i think his teammates see how they can help him do that and i think that's where they, there's a lot of communication with them on that part of like hey if you do these two things you're going to be even, you're going to be a 22 point night scorer you're going to shoot nine free throws a game and you're going to get four assists a game. Like, I think it was more trying to help him than it was frustration with him. Right. Uh, I think there, there was never any tension between guys. I mean, yeah. you play 82 games, there's going to be moments where <laughs> guys are pissed at Tyrese because they didn't throw him the ball. You know, it's hard to pinpoint it on one guy. Um, but, you know, players, they play that many games together. There's going to be frustration with everybody on your team at some point. But it never got to the point where it was detrimental to – to anybody in our team with, you know, any friction between players at all. Yeah. And that's, and that's great to hear. And I'm, and I didn't want to like try to throw anybody under the bus. I was just kind of curious, like, you know, it, it just play style. Some people might get frustrated with a certain play style, but I, I want to kind of talk now about the backup centers because Daniel Ty is still on the roster, Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith was brought back last year to be the starting power forward, ended up losing that spot. Wasn't a great fit next to miles but he did play some backup center and him and Isaiah kind of rotate a little bit while Tice was recovering from the injury. We know that he played a few weeks, but not really a part of that long-term solution. But I'm just kind of curious now that the team is trying to get to the playoffs, you know, you're not looking to develop as much. What are you looking at? What are you looking for out of these three players? I know you've talked about the openness in terms of position battles at training camp. So I'm not, I'm sure there's not clarity on who it's going to be, but what are you guys looking for out of these three centers backing up miles and in, in, in terms of who wins this spot? I think each guy brings something a little different. You know, there it's hard to say 
these two guys are very similar in what they do. Um, you know, Isaiah's much more impactful defensively than he probably is offensively right now. Jalen is probably more of a, a skilled guy that can can get you 14 to 16 points off the bench on certain nights. And Daniel brings the the defense and the experience and, you know, the, the, the knowledge of the NBA game. So each guy is different. And that creates, you know, for our coaches, some nights maybe Isaiah is a better fit for this matchup than Jalen or Daniel or some nights – Hey, we're we're we need to win this game tonight. We're going to play the veteran player tonight, Daniel. Like, there's just different matchups that probably each guy makes more sense for. But ultimately, you can't play all four guys. I mean, it's mm-hmm. impossible. You know, we've got to decide. You know, who is going to be our backup center moving forward, and that's going to be determined on the court. You know, it's not going to be determined by you know us. You know, evaluating from you know stats and things like that. It's it's going to play itself out over the course of time. Two of those guys are still way young. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're so far from their prime of their career. And to say this is who this guy is today is going to be who he is in three, four, five years is unfair to that player because these guys all develop at their own pace. And we like all three guys for different reasons. And, you know, I think long term, Jalen and Isaiah, we've got to figure out, you know, who who who's who's gonna rise above the other in that matchup. You know, Daniel's a little older and Maybe he doesn't fit our timeline as much, but he handled his position, you know, his role very professionally last year and really happy with that. And I know ultimately he'd love to play, but he also sees, hey, I got two young guys in front of me that you're trying to to help develop. And I understand that. And what I can do to help them, I'll do my best. And um, But how, how that all plays out is going to happen on the court. And it's going to be a daily battle between all those guys. Yeah, to your point on the age, Isaiah Jackson, 21 years old. Jalen Smith, 23. Oscar Sheboy just got drafted. He's 23 years old. So you think about the experience that Isaiah and Jalen have at their young age. They got a lot of basketball to play. So uh, I'm very excited because I do think that the best basketball is in front of them. But do you anticipate bringing in any more players to the training camp rosters last year? We saw James Johnson and Langston Galloway be late additions. James Johnson ended up being huge for this team as as a veteran so many people cited that his leadership was way more valuable than anything you could see in a box score yeah well right now we we don't have the ability we're gonna have a roster spot right now we could bring in some guys to camp and compete yeah. you know if we want to win a guy we could do that james was very impactful last year in our locker room and you know we kind of talked a lot about him we've got george hill had some impact in his brief time with us as well their their mentorship of our young players and you know, our players look up to those guys for help and guidance. And we also want to have some of our players, our young guys, start to take that, that role themselves too. You know, that's got to kind of pass that leadership torch off to some of our young guys as well. Miles has, you know, leadership qualities in our locker room as well. So um, we're, we're not going to – I mean, we still have a little bit of cap room. You know, like I said, we if we wanted to waive a player, technically we could, you know, and, and bring somebody in. Um, but I think right now, unless something comes across the table that really feels like a no-brainer option for us, I think we're probably going to be content for a little bit here. Gotcha, gotcha. Because yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna follow up and ask about George Hill, James Johnson. Just kind of, I know Kev, Kevin had said these were guys that would be late, you know, you know, free agents to address. But it feels like there's a lot of you know roster spots already filled up for a lot of teams, and I'm kind of curious 
if if there's any chance maybe they could be back with the organization, maybe if they're not on the roster, but in maybe a different capacity uh, with, with the team. You never know on that. I mean, we haven't had those discussions yet. I think both those players still would like to continue playing. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll exhaust every option they can to find a home to play. Um, but, you know, George specifically has a lot of history with, with our team and our city. And, um, you know, if there's one day that he decides, hey, I'm, I'm ready to retire and I want to stay involved with something, I'm sure we'd have discussions with him about that to see if there was a role that made sense for him. But, um, you know, I think it's hard for guys to turn, close the book on their playing career until somebody else closes it for them a lot of yeah. times. So I think those guys will, will wait it out to see if they can find a situation where they can play. And you, just, you never know how things fight with us. I mean, we could have a trade opportunity to come out of the blue tomorrow and it creates a roster spot. And one of those guys makes sense to bring in as a mentor and he's on our roster by Friday. You know, you, you just never know. Um, but right now I don't see that, you know, on the near horizon for us. Hey, after seeing Lance be a three-time pacer, George Hill make his comeback. You never say never. You just never know. But, look, there really wasn't that much roster turnover from the end of last year till now compared to years past. What is the vibe like with the group that is returning, plus the new additions that you made as they head into the season healthy? For instance, a guy like Miles Turner is healthy going into this year. And same with the rest of the group, no real significant injuries what's the buzz like yeah i think we had such as you guys know we had really good chemistry a great locker room last year that just the person out of the team was very very positive and we talk about this with our players a lot is hey you season's gonna end you guys are gonna be away from each other for four months or so we come back to training camp can we pick up where we left off with that positive vibe and that chemistry and really every season is a whole new story. And sometimes those characters in the story kind of go down maybe different paths. So we got to try to, because they have different situations, individual situations change from season to season, from role to shots to their contract situation. And so there's not just a given that we pick up where we left off with our chemistry. We hope we do, but we got to work with that. We got to work on that with communication with our players our players got to work on that internally with each other. Our coaches got to work with that with their players. And we got to keep the good vibe going um, because it was a very good vibe last year. And, you know, there'll be more expectations, you know, this year on the team, which impacts sometimes how guys play, how sometimes guys feel about the team. And so that's a new dynamic that will come into play as well. And not saying we're going to win a championship next year, but I think there's expectations that we have, a better season, you know, win, win loss wise than we did last year. So that's another element that comes into play. And all this factors into your new story for this next season. And it's on all of us, to, like I said, within the locker room, within the staff, within the organization to keep everybody rolling in the same direction. Yeah. I will say you talk about vibes. I mean, the most vibe thing I've seen all off season was Rick Carlisle in Vegas with the sunglasses on inside the building after game one. That was just a great meme, great give. Uh, thank you, Rick, for, for providing that for us. You know, Carlisle is hilarious. Uh, always, always unexpected with him. But, you know, you talk about, you know, the goals for the season, maybe not winning a championship. But the last question for me, maybe I have another one, but I'll, the last one I'm going to promise on is, uh, you know, this upcoming season, what are your goals and expectations for this group of guys? Well, I think Rick's goal is to get a sunglass deal out of that. That's why he's 
That would be that would be great. Yeah. But I think it's a uh, the question about goals for this season. I think like I go back to the expectation is that we win 35 games last year. Uh, we want to try to make another jump, you know, whether that jump is to 40 to 42 wins or if it's to 45 to 47 wins, whatever that might be, we want to feel progress and we may win 39 games next year and feel progress. You, you'll know whether you have it or not. And I think um, we may win 40 games and feel like it was a crappy season. You just, mm-hmm. You just never know. Sometimes the number of wins doesn't tell the direction you're headed. And I think the development of our players is going to be important. We want to see our young guys grow and develop. You know, we want to see chemistry develop with our young guys. And we would like to see, you know, like I go back to, I feel like to win in this league at a high level, you got to have multiple star level players. And I think right now, I think Tyrese has shown that he – can be one of those stars or is one of those stars. Who is another guy? Is that guy on our roster? There are two guys on our roster, but we need another guy that can help us. If we want to be a playoff level team, we need another guy to take a jump. And we need, we need a guy that can be nights where Tyrese doesn't have it going that can take over and get us to a win. And, you know, we saw last year without Tyrese, how much we struggled in that stretch when he got injured. You know, we have more depth this year, but do we do we have a guy that can take that next jump to that star level? And I think that's that's what will determine ultimately how we get to be a playoff level team and how we ultimately get to be a team that can compete and win in the playoffs and make a run. Um, and there's a lot of question marks on this team. We have a lot of young players with a lot of talent, but there's a lot of unknown. I mean, there's there's a chance that all the guys kind of don't take a jump and we're a very average team. There's a chance that multiple guys take a jump and we, we win 47 games and we're in the top six in the playoffs. It just depends on can guys take another jump in their development and do we have the chemistry and vibe uh, that where it fits together and ultimately the, a huge, huge, huge part of our development, our growth is our defense. And if we're one of the worst defensive teams in the league next year. And I don't care how much growth we make as an offensive team, we're just not going to win. And that is where we want to see development. And I think Coach Carlisle would say the same thing. All of our coaches would say, say the same thing on that. Here's what Alex and I were saying. If this Pacers team can be a top 15 defense, even 15 to 20, that would be a solid leap for this team because – I don't know if you pay attention to what Vegas has, but they have us at 35 wins. I think I think it's disrespectful. I got the sledgehammer. I'm hammering that over. I really believe the Pacers are taking a solid step forward next year. I think the whole fan base agrees. But a little bit of coaching turnover. Ronald Nared is out. Jim Boylan in. What do you? How do you feel about the coaching staff this year? A couple of them now. We have some consistency over the last few years. And- after a big turnover a few years ago when Carlisle and his staff came in. How do you feel about the group this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we have phenomenal coaching staff. I, I love the chemistry, the fit, um, how each coach complements the other coaches. Um, it's a really good um, tight-knit group. And I think, you know, Coach Carlisle is obviously the leader of that. But, you know, Coach Pierce – uh, Mike Weiner, Jenny Busick, you know, Jim Boylan, General Cargo, Mo Baker, 
Isaac Jacob, all those guys, Zach Chu. They, there's just no ego involved with anybody on that staff. And it's, you know, Kevin and I were just talking about this today. He said, when you have highly intelligent, highly driven people with low ego, it eliminates so much conflict in your culture. And I feel that coming from our coaching staff. I feel they all respect each other. They're all willing to speak up and speak their mind. Coach Carlo is very, one of the, the best, one of the, the traits about Coach Carlo that is most impressive to me is his listening skills. Is he's very curious. He wants to know what you think. He wants to know why you think the way you think. And he's never gonna tell you you're wrong. He just wants, he wants ideas. He wants, give me your feedback, give me your thoughts. What do you think about this? And so our coaches feel empowered to speak up. And so when you have that empowerment as a, as a staff member, you feel engaged and some ownership and what's going on because they feel like they have a voice. And um, Coach Boylan obviously has a lot of experience under his belt. He's got rings on his finger and he's been a head coach and he's very, very defensive minded. I think that's where Coach Carlisle, you know, values him the most is his knowledge of modern NBA defense and trying to build us into a top, you know, if we were a top 15 defense, I would be very, very, very happy. And I would be very surprised <laughs> oh, yeah. if we didn't have a very good season um, because I think our offense is going to be very, very strong again. And if we're a, t a top half defensive team, I think we'll have a very enjoyable season. All right. I'm not going to ask a question, but I'm curious if you have any stories that you'd be willing to share that maybe would be fun for the listeners to to know. Because last time you did go in depth a little bit more about the Benedict Matherin draft workout story. And I know we got a lot of positive feedback from that. So wasn't sure if there was like a draft workout with maybe Jairus or Ben or something like that that you wanted to elaborate on or maybe just a story from Carlisle or Kevin or something like that. Oh, boy. Well, we have a, a deal going with our scouts every year um in the draft we all put in uh twenty dollars and it's scouts front office anybody involved in the draft and before the draft we all bet who's going to be the 60th pick of the draft and if you get it right you get the pot of money and so this is year six for us now a couple years ago it was a couple years ago. We had the 60th pick, so we had to do the 59th pick. Um, <laughs> but the pot has continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. Nobody's been able to, to pick the last pick in the draft. Um, so, that, I mean, that, that's probably the one thing that pops in my head because it was kind of fresh because we were just talking about it the other day. Um, but, I don't know, not as many funny drafts. There's a couple of interesting interviews this year of draft, draft prospects. Um, we had one. This is probably the most impressive interview preparation I've ever seen from a prospect. I won't tell you who it was, but um, they most draft prospects come into the room. You know, some of them are dressed up. You know, they're all nervous for the most part, which I would be too if I'm 19 years old and I'm walking in a room of, of 10, 12, you know, people and one of them's, you know, a Hall of Fame coach. And, you know, so you're a little nervous, um, but they're very, very polite. And some of them are more outgoing than others, as you can imagine. They'll have their individual personalities but we had one come in this year and he had a notebook uh, a notepad and he had a pen in his hand and so he put the notepad down on the desk and we proceeded to ask him you know a lot of the same questions we ask most players get to know you kind of questions and ask about their season other guys the draft things like that and so we're about 
two thirds of the way through the interview. And I said, you know, what, what, what's on your notepad? He said, well, I got a bunch of questions on, on the Pacers and a bunch of notes I've taken on you guys and your team. And um, so we're like, okay. And one <laughs> of the questions we ask the players is, how much do you know about our team? And that gives you an insight of how much they watch the NBA and study basketball. And kind of it's a little bit of a question, how much do you love basketball? Do you, do you know anything about a team you're interviewing with? And, you know, some guys will say, hey, I know – who Tyrese Halliburton plays for you guys. I know Miles Turner plays for you guys, whatever it might be. Well, we, we asked this guy, do you know anything about our team? And he rattled off all 15 of our players without looking at it. It was on his piece of paper. He rattled them off by position. He went through the depth chart by position, all 15 guys he named. He knew our defensive rating, our offensive rating. He knew what our record was without Tyrese. He knew who our free agents were. He had all this written down on his piece, on his piece of paper before his interview with us, and so we said, "No, what, did your agent make you do this?" He said, "No, I just did this for all the teams I'm interviewing for. I did all this background work on all the teams, so I was prepared for for all these interviews." I'm like, "Wow!" I'm like, "This guy is like, I don't know if he's going to be able to play in our league, but he, I might hire this guy one day to work for us." <laughs> uh, it was the most like unique and kind of impressive combine interview I'd experienced and um, I saw the guy at, at summer league and you know he said should it he said to me he goes you should have taken me at seven that's what he said to me <laughs> so, I said well don't hold it don't hold it against us and he said well I'm coming for you I'm coming for every team that passed on me and so <laughs> but that'll, that'll be an interesting to see how his career plays out but that was a really uh interview yeah uh, I always love some story time with Chad. I mean, I was fresh off of reading a book to to my kid, but hearing a story from you, I mean, you, you got to love that. But to your point before, we've interviewed a few different players on the show, and Tyrese Halliburton's always the first name that comes to mind, but it's always interesting to hear, what did they mention after Halliburton? So that's a great point for you is, yes, there's obviously our all-star, but what else do you know? So great question over there, and man, Chad, you got the whole fan base fired up for this this season coming up that it makes August be such a downer that there is no Pacer basketball right now. But I want to thank you for coming back on. It means a lot to not just Alex and I, but also our listeners, to be able to hear how open and honest you are about this whole offseason, what goes into making the trades, the free agent signings, your expectations of the team, and all of the above. So thank you very much. and. Hope to have you back, back on, uh, you know, sometime during the season. I appreciate it, guys. And like I said, I think all we're excited about the roster and, you know, where things are headed. But it's there's going to be peaks and valleys. We talk a lot about being calm waters, you know, not reacting to the highs and lows and being steady and consistent every day. And, you know, that'll be important for us this year because um, we got some new faces. They're going to have some, you know, chance to have some big roles. We have a lot of competition internally and, um, there's going to be some ups and downs, but I think at the end of the day, you know, we've got a good core in place and hopeful that it's, this is a very fun team to watch and a fun team to be around. And I'm excited to get started. And I think you know, our coaches are and our, our players are excited to get going. And um, hopefully it's come January, like I told you guys earlier, come January, we all feel the same way as we do here on August, August 2nd. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the All-Star being in Indianapolis this year, too, it's going to be awesome. I know there were some complications with Ticketmaster and trying to get seats for Lucas Oil Saturday night events, but 
regardless, just having the NBA in our backyard basically is going to be great for this city. And I'm excited for that. And, you know, there, there's this, it just seems like there's a lot of positivity with this season coming into it. So I think this team is on the rise and they're in a good spot. And we have the flexibility still for next offseason to still be players, a lot of different options. So I think that too is something that we got to give you guys credit for with how you've went together about keeping this roster intact. You've also allowed there to be flexibility, even though you did extend Tyrese. So I think that's one thing to keep an eye on for fans too. Just adding more talent, there's going to be a chance, I think, in the offseason once again to have that flexibility. Yep. And it's like in anything in life, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You can't stay in the same spot. That's that's a danger of of team building too, is you feel like you have a decent team and you just sit on it. You know, I think we gotta continue to develop players and look for opportunities to get better. And we're that's our jobs and we're gonna continue to do that and trying to help this team. These fans experience a deep playoff run and ultimately we win a championship at some point. That's what we all want. And I know that's what you know our ownership wants and our fans want and all of us internally want as well. And not wait. The flexibility that we have moving forward just makes us able to, you know, dream past just saying, hey, it's all or nothing this year. It feels like this is truly the start of something new. So, Chad, once again, thank you very much. We cannot wait to see it unfold. And uh, hey, you know, let me know when we're ready to hit the court because if you still need Alex and I and, and Tyrese, we only need one more. We got five out there. I'm ready to run. Well, I think Tyrese is going to be tied up uh, in the Philippines and USA basketball for a while, so we'll have to wait till he gets back into the country. I mean, if you're looking for an out of sh- if you're looking for an out of shape 31 year old guy to be on a two way or a, on a 10 day contract towards in the season, I could use the paycheck. So, um, just a call <laughs> away, Chad. Alex, I'll have you on our list. It's probably like on page seventy-four of our list, but hey, you'll be on our list. It's it's better than page seventy-five. That's all I got. I was say. gonna say the same thing. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> all right, hey, well, thank Chad, thank you so much. We really appreciate you, and uh, can't wait to tip off. Thanks, guys. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.